Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out here Wednesday. It is hump day. Uh, La- what? I have a bugger, dude. No, you're good. I would tell you. I would yeah, look Would out you? Me. Yeah. I'm like over here. You know how you get like a, <laughs> it's like a flake almost sometimes. You're yeah. Like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I would tell you for sure. I actually, uh, this morning I cut myself shaving and yeah. I wasn't aware and I had like just like a bubble, like uh, a bubble, a blood bubble. Yeah. Sitting there and it like, kind of dried up. It's kind of nasty. <laughs> Nobody said anything I saw in the car, but I think I caught it, right. uh, just in time. Uh, we'll get to all your personal grooming needs later in the show, but we got to get to your top 10 yeah. NBA players. We have a revamped list after you put out your preseason list. A little bit of movement on there. Shuffling of the pieces. Yeah. The right. Tim Donahue story written by ESPN was pretty fascinating. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that because you've forever been like, oh, there's stuff that goes on. And I was always like, oh, he hates refs because they did they Correct. Were I, teeing was, him up all the time. Yeah. But we'll get some of your specifics on that. UNC Duke is tonight. Might get to preview that a little bit. But first, huge news out of MLB. So it's time for talking baseball with Rasha. Yeah. We're going to break this down. Padres, NL West, how are we doing the standings? No, but seriously. Manny Machado, Bryce Harper were on the street for a very long time. There was a lot of speculation why they were taking so long. Is there a problem in baseball? Justin Verlander, Adam Wainwright, other well-known veterans of the game were saying our game has a problem right now. The majority of the conversation said, oh, owners have are not going to give out any of these big 10-year contracts anymore. You know, they're done spending. They're done doing this. And what do you know? Manny Machado. Mr. No Hustle. Yeah. Mr. No Hustle. No Hustle. But like in his own words. In his own words. Yeah. He said, hustling ain't my cup of tea. That's his words. I thought they actually would hurt him, cost him some money. Yeah. So what if we could have gotten if he wouldn't have said that? He signs a 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres, fully guarantees. After five years, he can opt out. It is the biggest free agent contract in the history of sports. If you're saying, well, what about John Carlos Stanton? His was for 13 years, 324. So on a 10-year deal, this is the the biggest per-year money that we've seen out there. It is a monster deal. And now everybody's saying, all right, well, if he gets this, what's Bryce Harper going to get? Which I would assume he's going to get a little bit more because the market's been set. And he's saying, yeah, all that that concern about Major League Baseball not paying, it's gone. And so now you've got Manny Machado signed with San Diego Padres. Yeah, all it takes is is one. It led me to, but like everyone was blaming Major League Baseball for these two not being signed. Is there any chance that they were playing chicken with each other, where one of them wanted the market to be set by the other? And you know what I mean? Like Probably. there was a little bit of reluctancy to sign a deal because you were waiting to see what Manny got if you were Bryce, and if you were Manny, you're waiting to see what Bryce got. Yeah, you could you get a little bit like more, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like could that have played into the? Probably more from the agents, you know, from the agents right. in play here that are saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to play this right down to the wire. And your best, usually if you're sitting there waiting to get signed, the longer you wait, the answer people will get. Oh, of course. You know, so, and I, but I'm sure the players, I mean, there were a lot of players. There still are guys like Craig Kimbrell. There still are some really good players that are free agents, but you would assume that at some point teams are like, well, we, somebody's got to sign them. Like if, and then I think what happened in this situation is because of some of the concern. He spent 113 days as free agent. That's a long time. Well, I mean, we talked about basketball. Like yeah. Those guys are snatched up within 48 hours. Right. Um, there was some concern 
that these deals were going to be smaller. So maybe a team like the Padres, who didn't think they had a chance, they come back to the table and they say, all right, well, maybe we are in the sweepstakes. But I would have, I would have never guessed that the Padres would have been play at 10 years, 300 million, but good for them for doing it. I, my question for you, and this is like just a bigger picture discussion. If you're the Padres, in, in five years, let's look at it from five years, cause that's the window. In five years, what do you, do you think they'll say, this was money well spent? No. I don't either. No. Or, or, like the only way I think you would say it's money well spent is if you win a World Series. Like that's what the game should be about. Right. Or you're one of the most popular franchises in baseball. I don't think they get either, either of one those of those people. are going to be accomplished. Um, and, I mean, this is, look man, I was looking over the deals because admittedly I'm not in the baseball stuff, but how often you get, why do you use five years? Why do you use the number five? There's an opt out after but five years. That's his opt out. Yes. Right? So but, he but, go be a Yankee if he wants to. Let's but the other team has to pick up the deal. Let's say something happens and he's not the same baseball player after five years. You're, you're in it for 10 years if you're the Padres. Right. My question to the guys before when they were doing the, the research was like, how many times has that really worked out for the team? Right. You know what I mean? And the one, the, the one example they could give me, was a good comp for Manny because it was Alex Rodriguez when he was 26. He got a deal like that, right? And then he, he lived seven years in it and then he signed another one with the Yankees. But generally speaking, being in a 10 year deal for that type of money, like I, I, I'm not mad at baseball ownership for saying, look, as a group, let's not hand out 10 year deals. We don't want to be locked into people as their Albert Pujols and they can't get down the first baseline at 40 years old and we owe him, I don't know. Hundred million dollars, right. right? And he still he can't play baseball. I don't care if you're 21 and you get him till he's 31. No, you don't know what type of player he's. You have be no idea. Whatever reason, it's too long. Injury, maybe he slumps. Maybe mentally, you know, he has issues and he does, can't handle the pressure Correct. of 300 million. There's so many factors that come into play where I actually didn't think these contracts would be doled out because I thought teams were getting smarter. Right. They were saying, you know what, it's not worth it. Because you mentioned Albert Pujols, 10 years, $240 million. That deal has been a disaster. Robin, Robinson Cano, Mariners, 10 years, $240 million. Years That deal has been a disaster. Um, David Price, 7 years, 217 They've gotten some, but he's been a very polarizing player. Like we were just talking about him during the World Series. Sure. Hadn't had much postseason success. A lot of these deals that have been signed, the longer-term deals, have been bad deals on, especially on the back end of them. I love my favorite thing is just the, the no honor amongst thieves type of like, like, like just watching the one team sit around. No, like, listen, Danny, me, you, Coca, we all sit around. No one's giving him a deal. You understand me? No, right. no 10 year deals. We're not doing it. <laughs> and a month goes by and, and the team, like the lesser of our three teams, we're sitting around like, guys, do we do this? Do we give him the, and always somebody comes out and takes the swing. All right, let's do yep. it. 300 million. It'll be, uh, so the Padres now, who haven't been uh, in the playoffs in 10 years, they haven't been there in a decade, never won a World Series. They've been to the World Series, but I think it's it's been like 20 years since they've been to the World Series. What's that, the La Jolla Padres? Yeah, no, yeah it should be. I mean, hey, if the big, the biggest winner in all this is Manny Machado. Yeah. Gets to go live in San, San Diego, Diego which dope. I think has the best yeah. weather setup Break in off. the planet. Like yeah. the planet. Because you, you got L.A., you got smog, mm-hmm. you got traffic. San Diego's more laid back. You got La Jolla, as you mentioned. Yeah. Like it is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. Like, and I'm talking about not just yeah. U.S. Like, no, it's, fantastic, it's, right? it's insane. Yeah. He gets to live there. So he's the big winner. I do think like, so cause I, I was talking about this a bunch yesterday on my radio show and it was trying to say like, how do you judge this as success? And majority of people that chimed in, even on social media were like, well, this Padres, will they be relevant again? 
They'll be relevant if they win. I don't think he brings them a guaranteed well, winner. And I get they added Eric Cosmer with a, you know another eight-year, $104 right. million dollar deal. They have a pretty good infield. But as far as a winner, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year. And people will forget about Manny Machado. But you still have to write that check to him. So let's use Zion Williamson. Like Williams, uh, uh, Williamson is a, like a guy who drives. Like he might not win you basketball games. But man, you're gonna sell out your arena with him, right? Like that's what people are looking like. So people... even more, don't you think in basketball, because there's only five guys what? on a team, yeah, but you don't have the assets. Like Zion, that can affect food. winning. It can yes. affect winning, but, but not more. not as a baby. Let's say like as a baby, he's not gonna affect winning, but he's that type of like uh, uh, star oh, that's going to. Who, my question to you in baseball is, how many people really drive like ticket sales? How many guys are there? That drive ticket sales. And does Manny Machado like fall into the category of a star that would drive ticket sales? I don't think baseball really has them. Right. Like, unless you have a huge monster home red, home run hitter, um, like Judge or John Color Stanton, even those guys, the Marlins Park was empty, empty. when John Color Stanton was playing. So, now, he was hitting six, you know, attempting 60 home runs. Mike Trout, the best player in baseball, nobody watched So the original right? question you asked me about, like, is it worth it? If you're telling me they're not ready to win, and you would know that better than I do, because I don't know their roster. They're, well, they're better, but they're not but, ready okay, to win. Okay, they're not ready to win, and, and there's nobody that's really gonna drive gate that, that, that makes sense. The, the answer to my question is like, nah, the money is probably not worth it. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to say, and it's impossible to judge right now, like in five years, three years, we'll be able to tell sure. that. But my guess would be that they're like, it was not a smart signing. And he probably, I don't think he does stay through the 10 years. Right. Maybe you're glad because you get him off your books. Uh, but it'll be interesting to watch. Supposedly they have a pretty good, uh, minor league system. They do have some players coming up, but good for Manny Machado. How do you think, how do you think White Sox fans feel now? Remember when they signed like two of Manny Machado's <laughs> friends? And they were like, this is it. This is going to be it. This is how we get Manny Machado. And they got nothing right now. One of his relatives to try to get him there. And so they they couldn't get it done. Ultimately, and I think their deal, I had read it on there. Their deal was, there was a couple years they had him to an eight-year deal. And they wouldn't do it on the back end. And, you know, I I don't blame them. Like, it was going to be for eight years. And the last two were options. But I think they were team options. And it it was based on plate appearances towards the end of them. That money talks. Money talks. I'm out. But if you're... And if you're Manny Machado, this is where I think he might regret it down the line. If you're in Chicago, it's a bigger media market. It's closer to the East Coast. You're going to get more eyeballs. See you play. I don't know. She, it was like seventy million on the back. Nah, end. dog. I guess you get that yeah, seventy million. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I guess nah, we're all good. Uh-uh. Like I said, congrats <laughs> to Manny Machado on doing that. But I do think tomorrow there's a good chance we could be talking about Bryce Harper, and I think it'll be to the Phillies. Yeah, the Nationals might be making a play, but I think it's only a matter of time till that deal gets done. So we'll be able to talk about another ten year deal because I think it's going to get uh, it's going to happen sometime soon. Our boy Antonio Brown, who we talk about a lot on this yeah. show because he can't stay out of the media, the social media, because he likes being a part of the spotlight. Actually, this was kind of a shocker to me. Posted a picture on uh, Twitter, and it was him and Art Rooney, team owner, Steelers. Mm-hmm. And their arms around each other, big smiles on yeah. their face. I mean, look at well, maybe not huge smiles. No, but they're like they're, they're 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 at least putting their arms around each other. But he said they had a great meeting, uh, discussed a lot of things, cleared the air on several issues. Both agreed it's time to move on. But I'll always have appreciation and gratitude towards the Rooney family and Steelers organization. Great. Good for him. Everybody's yeah. a winner, right? Yeah, great. Like, no, like, <laughs> what it, I mean, this has cleared up nothing for me. Like, you knew, we knew this, correct? Like, yes, you were going to have to move on. Does that just make people feel better? Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Why? What makes you feel better if you're Art Rooney and, 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 uh, you know, Antonio to just squash that? Like, you really I, don't love it. Like, you don't like no, it. No, I, mean, I can, I don't know. Like, that picture was kind of awkward. So Brown's agent Drew Rosenhaus was there as well, as did Steelers GM Kevin Colbert and an executive Omar Khan. 
I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. Do you know what the type of tension in that like that like? And everyone in there acting like they're cordial and whatever. I'm and guessing every- AB probably was the icebreaker. Like he probably said something. I would guess. I would hope because he seems like a little goofy. Like he's he's been on social media. He's more of a fun personality. I can right. see him trying to break the ice, or maybe Rosenhaus does someone because it would be really awkward. But I would like when he said we cleared the air on several issues. I would love to know like does he like did he complain about Mike Tomlin and say hey I don't respect him anymore? Did he throw Ben Roethlisberger say hey this dude calls out all his teammates? He doesn't get held to the same. I bet standard. he threw Ben under the bus. I bet he threw everybody under the bus and was like, because Antonio Brown, his attitude has been, I'm the one getting all the blame. Right. And this is from social media, his words. I'm not the one that's my, it's not all my fault. Right. And so I, that would be my hunch is that he goes in there. And then when Art Rooney heard him saying all this, he's probably like, oh yeah, this is bad. Let's get one piece of it out of here. And now I'll focus on the other two. One is the head coach. One is the quarterback, which is probably why they're still there. Do you think that that meeting, like there was what was the percent chance of going into that meeting they were going to clear the air and Antonio Brown remain, remained a, a, a Steeler? I think Antonio Brown has made his mind. No, up. like from the from the Steelers side. Like, what do you what, what percent chance do you think they went into that meeting? Was there any sometimes opening think, of a mind? In I there? think like so. there was there a I sliver think, of an opening that he could be back as a Steeler. I think sometimes organizations can have their head in the sand and they don't realize the seriousness of a situation. Even and they might feel like, hey, we still control him because we have his contract. Like. We can make this work. Mike Tomlin will do this. I think there was a chance that they probably thought, "Oh, we'll get Antonio Brown in here. We'll talk some sense into him. That's it. You know, we'll show we'll show him that we still have the leverage. We still have the contract." I still think that might have been their mindset. Really? But then when they heard it and heard how serious he was about not playing there, and then it wasn't just playing around while he's working out, asking for a trade, playing around that and man. Now he brings like, his agent. What are you talking about, man? Right. You did not have to have that meeting. You knew. That you couldn't coexist and, and Antonio Brown couldn't coexist with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. You knew that. Like that, that meeting for me, like again, I don't even know why, I here's, don't know why you had the meeting. Here's what I do not understand. Yesterday, 40, so the, t- Antonio Brown's next team. Yeah. According to Vegas, the favorites. Yesterday, the 49ers were seven to two. Mm-hmm. The Steelers were three to one. And I was like, man, I can't believe this. Do you see what happened? The Steelers' chances actually improved since this meeting yesterday. Which still like baffles my mind. I guess they're thinking if there was dialogue and you saw them, you know, at least cordial and putting their arms around each other, that that maybe there's a chance that if the Steelers shop them around, they can call them up and say, "Hey, we're trying, but we don't have a suitor." That would be my only way that I would see Antonio Brown. And then does he does he grow up and become a big boy all of a sudden and nope. say, "Well, I want to get paid, so I'm going to stay with the Steelers"? Because I think the damage has been done. But I'm still shocked. Vegas usually knows. Like, they had LeBron to the Lakers before anybody else did. You know, like, they usually have a pretty good beat of the situation. Vegas is wrong this time. I would tend to think so, too, that he's done. But it just, there's something about it that's kind of just like eyebrow raised. I mean, there's a contract in place. So that, you know, it's not like it's a free agent that can just, uh, like, do whatever he wants to do. So I, I like, that's got to represent some percent chance that he's going to stay there. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. know if it's seven to two or, but. Well, I think the reason he's there is because contractually he has to stay there. Correct. Right? That's, that's probably that's, why it's still there. But I think he wouldn't show up for camp. There's, it's not right. going to work. I, I don't think he would show up for training camp if it happened. Apparently he blocked Pete Prisco on Twitter. I want to <laughs> Antonio Brown. He must have been calling him out. 
But he's when he's a said, hater, man. Oh, he is a big you, hater. You too, though. Both of you, both of you two hate. I wouldn't sign haters, him. I don't bro. want him on my team. I don't want that distraction. The hey, boy catches football. He might have made even me look good, though. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I would have put up for him for a little bit. Danny, uh, so Danny, see that. What do you think? I have another conspiracy theory. I know how Raja loves these. Yep. I heard that there's a conspiracy theory that Antonio Brown is losing his mind on social media because he wants to drive down his own trade value so that the Steelers can't get anything for him. Well, that's stupid because I think the Steelers wouldn't trade him then. The Steelers aren't, the Steelers are smart. Like they've got, they're not going to just give him up. Like right. they're going to make sure they get some fair compensation. The, the question is, does a team have that that can absorb his salary? I think there will be. I don't know if he gets a first. Like I think, and that's, it's going right, but Amari Cooper's 24. He's younger. He got the first from the Cowboys yeah. and the Raiders trade. I think they'll be suitors, but I think the Steelers are still going to get lowballed. Like every of offer course. that's going to be there. Like is he be hasn't, he hasn't helped the Steelers at all. I mean, I don't know about the conspiracy theory, but man, you've taken all the leverage out of the Steelers. Right. Wrote this one, brother. <laughs> Anyone whatsoever. Right. Um, Todd Gurley goes out in the playoffs. He misses a large part of the uh, last part of the season. Sure. Several games. C.J. Anderson becomes this huge story with the Rams. <clears throat> Comes out his first playoff game against the Cowboys. Goes over 100 yards. Everybody's like, he's back. Right. Healthy. New Orleans, they go in there for the NFC Championship game. Disappears. Gets like four touches. Doesn't touch the ball much. Sean McVay's like, hey, I got to get him the ball more. Uh, Gurley says, I'm fine. But there's a lot of speculation. Like, what's going on? Right. Leading up to the Super Bowl, our boy Pete Prisco and many others. It wasn't just Pete have this theory that maybe Todd Gurley vanishes on the big stage. Like, the game was too big for him. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl comes by, doesn't have a great game. Doesn't do a whole lot. So that theory kind of keeps going. Says he's healthy, says he's fine. Well, hold on a second. C.J. Anderson, his uh mate there in the running uh, backfield there for uh, Los Angeles, was doing an interview yesterday, and he said he was more hurt than we thought. The injury was a little bit more than what everybody in the building thought, including myself. Uh. Two ways to look at this, because I was just talking with Brady Quinn about it on CBS Sports HQ, which you can watch 24-7 right here. Um, I think there's two ways you can look at it. One, because I, I felt if you're a Rams fan, you'd rather know that he was hurt right. than if you had a bigger problem like this guy's a basket case, can't yeah. handle the big sure. stage. That's one way to look at it. Brady, I, that's the way I would look at it. Like, hey, this is good news. It's a minor injury. You can take care of it. Brady was like, well, what if this means he has a bigger issue with his knee that could be lingering because he already has had major ACL surgery. Sure. He has had other issues. I think it's probably a little bit of both. I would lean towards the optimistic side of, hey, now we have his reason why he disappeared. He's got a whole offseason to get healthy. The doctors can figure out if he has to get it scoped again. Whatever it is. Now at least he'll be fine when he comes back. This is a weird quote to me, though, because it says he was more hurt than we thought. Anderson, uh, the injury was a little bit more than what everybody in the building thought. So it's alluding to the fact that at the time they didn't know how bad the injury was and they still weren't giving him carries. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's saying now in retrospect that injury was worse than we thought then. So that doesn't really explain why they wouldn't have been giving him carries then. Do you understand? Right. Which means someone in the building did have concerns about whether or not he was himself. He I was, think that's probably the best word to look like. Yeah, for one reason or another. Do you right. know what I mean? Like, and so I still think, look, when you start to question a guy, like when you, you know what I mean? Like you don't know he's injured right. and you're questioning whether or not he can play on those stage. Those are very real, like lingering kind of doubts, whether he winds up with an injury or, or, or not. When he, like from your perspective, you're like, Oh, he was injured. But from a guy's perspective, you're like, damn, they kind of lost faith in me in that moment. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the, 
it's not as easily navigated as, oh, he was more injured than we thought. Let's put it to bed. Right. There's some, there's some lingering, like, doubts there from both sides, I would have to imagine, because at the time, they didn't know. They were just saying, all right, he don't look good enough to play in these moments. And as a player, you're like, well, damn. Like, I ain't good, I ain't good enough to come out here on the, st- on the stage. You know what I mean? See the quote there at the bottom of the screen there? It says, I would say sprained knee. That, that phrase right there in itself, sprained knee, is really vague. It's ve- yeah, because there's like, degrees of that. And, there's like a, I mean, maybe, I know this is all speculation, but maybe Todd Gurley's a guy, some guys, a sprained knee doesn't bother them that much. They can go out there and play through it, or they can get something. Other guys, sprained knee might mean a lot, or a sprained knee can be very minor, but it also can be very serious where it affects your speed and your cutting ability, especially when you're a running back and you're one of the most elite cutters and runners in the game, then it could have a major impact on your production. So how many guys do you know could be really hurt and their, their image take the hit that it's taken? Right, because there are a lot of people that are that are, like gave him the business for not being the same guy. Right, how many guys do you know that can withstand that, especially as a young player, and not come out and say, "No, dog, I'm hurt." Right, right. Like, it takes the... a special type of dude to sit there and just take all of that and take all of that and not come out and say, "Hey, bro, I was dealing with the three a grade three MCL sprain." Right, that's concerning to me because he hasn't said a word about it. That would be my thing too. Is like, where was Todd Gurley in this? Most. But I mean, you really can't win today because if he would have said I'm hurt, people would have making excuses. But you would have felt like it would have been more honest. The only other theory, and this is where the Rams could get in trouble actually, is you have to list stuff on injury reports. Right. And if they didn't list it as serious as it was, they could get fined from the league for, you know, competitive disadvantage, like for, you know, withholding information. So I think this kind of like one of these offseason stories that we'll see play out as it goes along. Cause I'm with you. I like, and, Good for him for manning up and like not making excuses, but sometimes you can take that too far. And I think that's maybe where he went was like, I'm fine. Like I didn't have yeah. an issue. I'm fine. And it probably was, he was salty about everything and didn't get his carries. And so it was like, I'm not going to tell him anything. It might have hurt him. Kind of convoluted here, man. This is like, this is cause, cause again, like if he's, it's really bothering me that this is all like he was more hurt than we thought. Like who missed it? Right. Who, who missed that? Like your, your trainers, your doctors, like he, you're telling me now you realize he was that hurt. How does that escape you guys? Like, and and this these like world class medical teams that you're putting around. I, I don't understand how you could not know that. Right. It'll Anyways. be interesting to see how this plays out. I don't think this is the last time we hear of it. And I think his CJ Anderson, great dude. Like, talk, yeah, totally. fun talking about the Super Bowl, but he's like his his being open and honest with us might have opened up a can of worms <laughs> for Rams that they're going to have to answer. Right. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, there's been a report from the Athletic that the Lakers are a little concerned about LeBron's second half. Health. I hear that. Quote from Joe Varden of The Athletic. The Lakers are privately a little concerned about LeBron. Is he fully healed from the groin strain that cost him a career-worst 18 games? Is he going to pick up his intensity and propel this team back in the playoffs as he did last year in Cleveland? I don't think the uh, Lakers make the playoffs. I think this is one of many reasons why they don't. I think LeBron's getting to an age where he's becoming more vulnerable to these types of nagging injuries. And the older you get the longer it takes to heal. Absolutely. So I think he's still in the healing process, and this might be one where it affects him throughout the remainder of the season. It's just a matter of can he manage the pain and dealing with it. And to what degree does it affect him? Does he go from being like a 99 rating on an NBA 2K scale to like an 87? Right. That's probably not good enough to get him into the playoffs. Like if he's a 99 to a 91, maybe that's enough. Um, you know, I said this the other day. Like I, he, he still hasn't had a lot of nagging injuries. So it's not like – you have three nagging injuries and you're saying, all right, we're trending now. Like this is really the first one that's nagged him, but I am in agreement that he is getting older. And I said on HQ the other day, like I thought they'd make the, the playoffs, but I should have qualified it with if he's, if he's healthy, because right before the break, I was saying like, he doesn't look like himself and I know he's back, but he looks heavy. He looks slow. Like he obviously doesn't have the pop back in his legs. 
And I thought All-Star break would be welcome for him to try to get some. I've seen him take a week off, like when I was with the Cavs. Yeah. And he told us, like, you know, we weren't playing great and his body wasn't feeling great. And he was like, look, you guys go on the West Coast. I'll, I'm going to go back to Miami for a week. I'll meet you back in, in, in Phoenix. And when he came back, you know, physically he looked like a different dude. So I know he's dialed into his body to a degree where he can get it together. Um, but here's the luxury he didn't have. Then they were a higher seed, so they could, like, they're, no, he, they there's no time fight. for that. That's, but right. that's why I thought that the all-star break would be good for him because you could dial that in. And, and I do think he looked like he had more pop in his legs during the all-star game than he did before. So I think he's trending in the right direction, but I think there should be, uh, concern in LA when you're dealing with a guy who is, is getting older. Um, there, there is slippage. He's still one of the best in the game, but like physically, you know, nobody beats father time. And then you don't have enough around him. He's got to do so much for that team to, to make this playoff chase that it's just going to be putting extra stress on, on, on those groins and the adductors and all of those little muscles that are nagging when you get older. Coca just found a really interesting tweet from Brian Windhorst. From February 15th, and I'm curious to get your response on this, because Windhorse put out there, word on the street is that LeBron is playing at, what do you think he's playing at? His weight. Two, what did he play with when he was with you? Like in his prime, his ideal weight, would I would say would be 265? So, right. You think 265? Would be ideal LeBron playing weight. Well, I'm, I think I'm that'd totally be heavy for him. All right, so then, so that's at least this one. There's word on the street LeBron's playing at 280. Yeah, he that the big. groin injury hurt his conditioning program. He looked that, big. He is always a dude that, and this is one of the things I really appreciate about. It. He treats his body like it is. He's in there after games. He's working out, getting extra stuff in. Your groin, you have to lay around. Yeah, you can't do anything. Wait. Yeah. So you can do the stupid side. This thing where you try. It, guys don't do that. No. I, that could be a. Do, I, I used to hate that. Oh, it's the back. worst. That's yeah, the worst. <laughs> For the people that don't know, it's like the stationary bike, except you have your hands in the pedal. Yeah. It's the worst. But if that's an issue. Like, that's a very wish. That's a lot of weight to be carrying around and it slows you down. It, it impacts you. That confirms what my, he looked big and heavy and a step slower than he looked. And I think 265 honestly is too much for him. Really? I think he, if 255 is a great weight for him. Cause you're, you know, you're taking some stress off. That vegan LeBron was that when he was 255? Might have been. Might have been. Paleo. Paleo was his thing. There's a sweet spot in there between that 265 and 250 where I think is optimal for him. Where you're not too big. Cause you get older, you slow down, you gotta carry less weight, you know? Um, but 280 is just, that's just too much weight. Right. And I think that's something to keep an eye out for too. I'm telling you, this injury, which he's never really had to struggle with any major injury. And I know you're right there. A groin injury isn't, you know, it's it's people, uh, it's minor. 18 yeah. games, most he's ever missed. Yeah, like, sure. It's a very serious issue, which brings Luke Walton into play because this is going to be something. It's the it's LeBron effect when you're there, especially if your team is struggling. It's going to be, well, what's the relationship like with the coach? Uh, Luke Walton says he gets along with fine. Like, what are you supposed to say? Yeah, fine. He's going to say sign. Then fine. Yeah, fine. We have a working yeah. relationship. We've got a good working relationship. Is that a ringing endorsement or what? Yeah. Um he was at LAX. I guess TMZ probably found him. They, where he said that, he, that they get along fine. A couple. Hey, of, how are you and your wife? Fine. Fine. Well, we like, uh oh. <laughs> when when do the guys call on the divorce attorneys if that one happens? Odds to be the Lakers coach next year. Uh. Ty Lu, his coach from Cleveland, bringing him with him. Jason Kidd plus four hundred. Ty Lue plus 300. Luke Walton plus 400. Mark Jackson plus 400. Then he has some long shots. There's only one name that makes sense on that. Ty Lue? That's the only name that makes any sense. Um, look, Jason Kidd, uh, look, what do you do with Milwaukee? Nothing. Right. Like, and I, I like Jason Kidd. I think he's a great dude, but like that, that, that kind of fell apart. Mike Budenholzer takes that over. They're the number one team in the, like, come on. Like, uh, 
It takes a certain, you know, it takes a breaking in period with LeBron. You're going to waste half a season with one of these other coaches just trying to figure out how to get them all on the same page. Just for LeBron to like figure out whether he trusts the guy or not, at which point you got to figure out whether you got to move on from him or not. Like Ty Lue, you don't have to worry about any of that. He, you drop him in, he already knows what to expect with LeBron. Is he going to take so much heat, though? He already gets heat being, hey, he's on the GM. If he's plucking his own personal coach to be... I don't know that him, he plucks he the care? coach. I'm If I'm the Lakers... He, you don't think he wants Ty Lue? Like, you don't think that, that's his no, first choice? No, no, no. Choice? Yeah. No, I, I'm not saying that LeBron wouldn't want Ty Lue as his first choice. I'm saying if I'm the Lakers, I would do what you do with any star. Like, I'd run some names by you, whatever. But as the Lakers, I would want Ty Lue. Because I know that I don't have to waste any time. This is This is going to be an easy transition. He knows how, like, how to work with LeBron. LeBron knows how to work with Ty Lue. All I really have to worry about now is getting the pieces around him that are going to make sense. So that's one headache. I ain't got to worry about that. They've already won a championship together. You know, any yeah. of the rest of them, you're now, you know, all right, I gotta, I'm worried about this, which is all my player personnel stuff and all the pieces that go around him. And I got to keep an eye on LeBron and, and, yeah, and whoever. whoever that is to make sure that they're getting along fine. Right. And that's just another headache you don't want to have. I got a game. I got. A, I got a name that he's worked with before. It'll never happen. It was a long shot, a plus two thousand. I would love to see Coach K take it because he's get familiar with him from USA Basketball. Yeah. By all accounts, LeBron has a tremendous amount of respect for sure. him. And Coach K's like done everything at Duke. I would love to see him try it. It won't happen. Uh, for, like I wish it would. It would be crazy. Coach K's really old. Right. Like that's a. That's a. It real... would be like his last. He would probably only do it until LeBron's done, and then he would retire. So and, I mean, why would he leave? Duke? Listen, it's real talk. That's a lot of ego. The yeah. two of them, like yeah. Coach K and LeBron, and in a small sample size with the best players on the planet, only, knowing they'll only be together for like a month and a half, yeah, you could, that's fine. You can work that out. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who really cares? Like, you're throwing the ball to Kyrie. Kyrie's throwing it to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's throwing it to James Harden. James Harden throws it to LeBron. Right. Everything's great for Coach K. <laughs> right. What happens not, when you're when you're in the 10th spot in the West? Yeah, you're now what? making the playoffs or not, and then reports are coming out that you hate each other. Right. Coach K's <laughs> telling you to pass the ball, and I need you to get off the ball, and LeBron, you know, like, that, that could be a mess. There was a lengthy uh, expose by ESPN that – Talked about Tim Donahue. Oh, don't get me started. Long time NBA ref. Get me started. Busted for gambling. He pled guilty and served 15 months in federal prison in 2008, 2009 for conspiracy to commit wire fraud and conspiracy to transmit gambling information. Uh Were you aware that you played in two three overtime games in the 0506 season? Acutely aware. And guess who they were refed by? Oh, I know. We've what we've had this. Honey, that was Steve there. Nash and I have had this conversation. Really? Yes. So you guys remembered and oh, like yes. reminisced like oh, holy yes. crap, like remember this game. Correct. And we were one of those games in Denver. Yeah, I had 30. So thank you Tim because Whoa, I mean, <laughs> that's subtle humble brag yeah. like yeah, I had 30. Thank you Tim. It just said it. It's it, it just I said <laughs> I it on know. The so, um but yeah, we you couldn't figure out there were some phantom calls and we like it was one of those games where you just felt like it should have been over. There was no good reason for us to be in triple overtimes. The calls that were getting you there were just like terrible. But at the time you never ever thought that there was an agenda behind it, you know? But in retrospect, when it came out, it was the first thing we said. We were like, do you remember that damn triple overtime? Like, it, it stuck out to you. So he gave more details about the subtleties of it. Coca, can you help us out here and, like, give some of the, the juicier details from the story and how exactly he did it? Because I'm curious to know what Raja thinks of those, like, little tactics. Well, it just said that, like, before games happened, he would call up one of his buddies from home and just let the guy know what games he was going to, like, make the calls on. So it was either, like, the home or the away team, and they had, like, different names that they used. But the thing that I found most interesting 
excuse me, was that he would start every game off with like a, you know, a defensive three seconds or a defensive five seconds just so that the other team would have to play a little more aggressive on defense. And then he would start targeting like the team star and foul the team star right, like right away to get him off the court. And that's how he would try and control things. I've always said that referees, because pe- people's rebuttal to refs controlling games and dictating the outcome is that, oh, they don't make, you know, you make shots, you can't, they can't do anything about it. Right. What they do is they come out and they set a tone for the game. And they'll change your mindset as a player sometimes, and it changes how aggressive you are. It changes what you'll try to do in terms of going to the rack versus casting up three-point shots. And so if they come out early and establish this is the way we're calling the game, it does shape the way the game is played. And that will give one team you know, maybe an, an advantage over the other. And, and you've seen it before. Like, you'll come out. And the, like, it's just like, it's like you gotta see how the refs are refing the game. You hear that all the time. Like, if they're calling ticket tech, why would they call a ticket tech foul tonight and they didn't call it last night? You know what I mean? Like, there's shaping of games that takes place. I'm not saying it's conspiracy in the NBA, but it's just that refs have so much control. And if they're not consistent, you get a different product. You know, it could sway the game, not even intentionally. It just, you know, the better team might not win in that scenario. I think there's a misperception that if you're fixing games, that you can control the outcome every single time. That's You can't have no. that happen or else it would be so blatantly obvious. You know, be calling just fouls that are non-existent on last-second shots or, you know, waving off buckets if Correct. you really wanted to do it. So I was curious to know his success rate. 70% success rate he was having. That is, that is monstrous. Like, it, if you ask anybody who gambles or anybody who gives picks or touts anything, 53, anything over 50%, is like you're killing it for him yeah. to be seventy percent is why he got busted. That's because money in the bank. Shoot, yeah, game too obvious uh, for why they were out there. So one of the excerpts from his book, and I show Coca, like in that book, got killed by the NBA. Right. Remember that? Like I've never seen because most people would be fascinated to yeah, hear what he's got to say. Right? The NBA squashed that book. He tried to release it, I think, while he was still in prison. But some of the excerpts came out, and one of one of them was in regards to like you know, defenders and offensive players. And it referenced me and Kobe. And he said that there were subtle videos that would be sent around to them before the game of me just fouling Kobe over and over again, right? Like calls going against me. And he was like, it was a not so subtle way of saying that the NBA didn't want to see people. And it's this isn't just Kobe and I. This is a, a defender versus an offensive player. And what the potential mandate would have been from someone somewhere was to not let the defender disrupt the potential 40 or 50 points that the offense, it sells tickets. I get it. Like I always say like to my, my inner circle, I was like, I was like extra in a movie. Like it paid me really well, but I was just there. Like, you know what I mean? Like they did whatever they wanted to do with, with my character. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's right. where it went. Disposable. Yeah. And written in and out of the script. Correct. No, I think you meant more than that. No, no. But I mean like, <laughs> right. You're talking about like at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Right. And that's what makes, that's what makes everyone millions and millions and millions of dollars. And so like I understood they were going to be nights where they weren't going to let me manhandle somebody because nobody paid to see like Kobe on the bench. They paid, you know, they paid to see him out there doing what he did. Yep. For sure. I have a question for you. Duke UNC is tonight. Yeah. Obviously you're going to see Duke is favored by nine. It's, you know, traditional rival game. I love it. Um, I have a question for you because I had this thought about Zion Williamson. Russell Westbrook's probably my favorite player to watch in the NBA. Yeah. You know, there's several other guys that I like to watch play. I think I would rather watch Zion Williamson play. Like, he brings me that much, like, interest. And I wonder how many people feel the way that I do. You'd like, rather, would you rather watch Zion or would you rather watch Russ or James Harden go like off? in college? No, like, right now, tonight. Like, if you had an option to watch Zion playing UNC. I'd probably watch Zion. I think so, too. Like, Zion is a phenomenon. Like, what he's done, like, the, the ticket prices are $2,500. Yes. A ticket in there. It's ridiculous. I mean, now there's a backstory with the Tobacco Road, the two rivals, but... Zion is electrifying. 
I still don't know how well that translates. I'm gonna be honest. Like I don't know if that translates at the NBA level the way people think it will. He'll still go number one, uh, but I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll find out. Who you got? I'm gonna take UNC in the plus nine. What? Oh, plus nine? Yeah. Yeah, I might take UNC with the points. Duke to win. Rivalry game.